0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to class. Uh, We're so glad that you could uh, join us uh, this evening. Uh, Welcome again to course two, uh, Spiritual Doctrine. Today, uh, we're going to be discussing in this semester, uh, what is spiritual doctrine? Uh, Here, we will be discovering the depth of where Christian faith came from. We will also look at the canon of scripture. In its fullness to answer questions such as what is the church, how the Bible was written, and who wrote it, and why it was written. So grab your notebooks and let's get started. So, the main topic of... Wanting to understand about spiritual doctrine, and especially when it comes to the canon of scripture, we must first look at um, both Old and New Testament, but New Testament in regards to the fact that a lot of what the church represents in fullness is the whole of scripture. So it represents both Old and New Testament. So let us begin uh, to understand what the church believes. Uh, We must understand its structure. So what is the church? Uh, Is this first foundation? Paul uses the picture of the body to teach the horizontal dimensions of union with Christ. He compares the human body, which is unified despite its many members, to the church, which also has many members but is one body. Why? Because all members of the church participate in one Holy Spirit. When they became and become part of Christ, Paul uses images of baptism and drinking to, commun- to communicate how the Spirit unifies us. Christ baptized us into one Spirit, into one body, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. The second image tells of believers' initial reception of the Spirit, the river of the living water of whom believers may drink and never thirst again. Likewise, at conversion, Christ baptizes all Christians into one body, and the Spirit is the medium of the baptism, the bond of union with Christ and thereby with other believers. So in 1 Corinthians 12 14 through 26, Paul continues to develop the body metaphor, proving again that a human body is one is one precisely because it has many parts. No single part can therefore call itself the whole. Moreover, the parts we keep hidden or consider least honorable are actually most necessary, and their honor comes from God. Paul does not keep the metaphor abstract, but applies it directly to the Corinthians. The Corinthian church is the body of Christ. Um, His admonishments about the body in the previous verses belong to them, uh, but they also have the honor of being a part of Christ, both in the unity of their church and as individual members. Paul implies That the Corinthians must live with the humility of Christ, recognizing that while they have the honors being his body on earth, their behavior toward each other and the world could dishonor his name. Which brings us to our first point, theology for life. In salvation, the Spirit joins us spiritually to Christ, and so doing, he joins us to all other believers also. May God help us to treat them as fellow members of Christ's body by the Spirit, remembering that both our role and the roles of fellow believers are vital to the flourishing of our Lord's Church. Not one member is of more value than the next because all have been washed clean by the shed blood of Jesus and all are brought into unity one to another. Therefore Christ declares in John thirteen thirty-five, they will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. So in understanding this, we hold this truth that more the more we are connected in our faith, the stronger we are and deeper we go in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. For example, the deeper a tree's roots go, the more stable it becomes and how it connects with fellow trees. That's what makes a forest so rich and green. It, it's connected roots. The Word of God declares that the righteous will be as trees planted by streams of living water, whose roots grow deep, and its leaf never withers. So the deeper we go in the divinity of Christ, all of this reflects on the core of theology, which is his death, burial, and resurrection. For indeed, if Christ died for sin and was raised, we have eternal life and a hope of resurrection ourselves. 1 Corinthians 15, 14-17, for Paul said in truth by the Holy Spirit that this key is important to understand the resurrection of Christ. If we are to understand the beginning of the church and what the church is, as far as the canon of scripture, we must understand the basis by which the church is founded. The church and the body of Christ and Christianity in general and the faith of Christianity is founded on the truth that the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, Was raised from the dead. This core faith and core belief is what holds the church and the body of Christ together. All those who call themselves Christians have this very thing in common and of the like. So, therefore, Paul writes to the Corinthian church in his second letter and says this. has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. As we close this episode and this session, We will look into the understanding of this more in depth uh, in our next session, next week. But as we go through this, we have to understand something. The basis by which we understand the foundation of this is very clear. Christianity as a whole separates itself from other religions. Other religions do not claim to have anyone that has come back from the dead. The Buddhist faith has, in many ways, a belief of what we call reincarnation. Not necessarily resurrection, because resurrection has to do with the same being being brought back to life. Reincarnation means you die, but you become something else after you die. You are no longer yourself. You are something or someone else. Born in a different time and born in a different period, after your original death. But what Christianity believes is that Christ was raised from the dead, not reincarnated, but raised from the dead. So that means when he was taken down from the cross after he was crucified, and he was laid in a borrowed tomb, historians say that the embalming portion of this historical moment is that the organs would have to have been taken out. He would have to be wrapped and he would have been laid in the tomb. But according to historians and according to Josephus and even the earlier writers of the New Testament. The church declared, and so Paul writes, we are eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. In the fact that they saw him raised, they encountered him physically. He looked just like himself, though glorified, but he looked like himself. They recognized him. And even towards the end of the Gospel of John, they said that every time he would appear to them, which he appeared multiple times, both to those on the road to Emmaus, and they recognized him, and even to those when he appeared to them in Jerusalem after his resurrection. They recognized him. It was not a reincarnation. It was a resurrection. It was the same body, the same face, and the same Jesus. So to understand as we go into this history of the Canon of Scripture, and the authority of the Canon of Scripture, the New Testament Canon has that in mind, that it holds its truth, and it holds its relevance and authority in the very depth and foundation of that Christ has been raised from the dead. And because he has been raised, therefore the witness which is what testament means in Latin. It means to bear witness to a thing. So New Testament, new eyewitness accounts of this Jesus is now shared and recognized. So as we end this course... Your homework this week would be to really describe and to really study these scriptures. To understand the unity that Paul is speaking of in 1 Corinthians 12. And even to understand what he is speaking of in 1 Corinthians 15. And how that binds us all together in this oneness of faith. As we dive deeper also into this, the second portion of your homework is to understand the basis by which also separates Christianity from other religions. the act of Christ reaching out to humanity. It is a very simple fact, but sometimes overlooked, is that the belief of Christianity, though rooted and steeped in orthodoxy and Judaism, because Jesus of Nazareth was a Jew and born in a Jewish family, they would have read the Torah, the Tanakh. And so the early Christians did not have what we call the Bible now. They had Old Testament canon. And so that is the very also second and very key point to look at, is that all of the workings of Jesus were done based on not the new writings, because they had not yet been written, but it was done on the basis of Old Testament Scripture, the prophets, and the like. So to say that Jesus is God, and that he then reached out to humanity in order to save us, comes from not just a place of New Testament canon, but it also comes from the Tanakh itself. It comes from the Old Testament. It comes from this idea of the Creator God reaching out through time and space and finally connecting to humanity in a way that is relevant. And the way that it is relevant, it is love. For God is love. Thank you for joining us uh, for this session. We will see you next week.